Coming up next on The Health Hustle. I think really connecting with the person of who it is that you want to serve. And it's hard, you know, when you're first starting out to identify that because you're so green and you haven't seen a lot of people. But I think when the the first patient comes along in your practice that you you get that feeling like you really were able to help them and it's gratifying to you. It's done something amazing for them. The more unique the situation, the better. I think it's just getting really clear on who you really can serve the best, you know, what you were put here to do and and then taking that and calling me to build your website. There you go. <laughs> In the in the words of Matthew McConaughey, By the way. we're have you read his book twice? Okay, and uh, so good. We're really bad at knowing what we want, but we're really good at knowing what we don't want. Mm-hmm. And so, so much of business and life and relationships is just a journey of trying stuff and figuring it out. Hey folks, and welcome to the Health Hustle of Austin, Texas. On the show, we break down the big ideas from your fellow health and fitness entrepreneurs in the Austin, Texas area about how they built their business and the lessons they learned along the way. I'm your host, Corey Hibben, and on this episode, I had a chance to sit down with my good friend and marketing soulmate, Dana Reykovich. No surprise, this turned out to be one of the longest episodes I've ever recorded, partly due to the fact because Dana doesn't seem to know what rapid-fire question round means, but mostly because we covered a ton of juicy topics. Some of the things that we got into was how Dana got into marketing in the first place, her personal experience with healthcare that literally saved her life, how to stand up from your competition, defining your niche, what not to do on your website, trust makers and breakers, HIPAA compliance and how so many people in the healthcare space are messing this up, her personal issue with TikTok, ADA compliance, how everything is figure outable, rapid fire questions, which definitely weren't all that rapid, but it was still a ton of fun, getting clear on what you want, and so much more. If you haven't already, do us a huge favor and please subscribe and write us a review. This show is about helping health and fitness professionals to build a business that fits their lifestyle by giving us a review to help other people find the show and join us on that journey. If you're looking for simple and actionable tips on how to market and grow your health business, click the link in the description and sign up for my three tips Tuesday newsletter. Three tips every Tuesday to help you keep those leads coming. Also, if you need help with building your website, I offer a free website audit. Without further ado, mm, let's go. <laughs> awesome jokes from college. You like this? You got to start off with a joke. Are you ready? Oh, my God. Is this <clears> how you start every podcast? Yeah. So everyone's like, hey, welcome to the show. And people are like laughing at your funny joke. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> let's do it. Dana Reykjavich, welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Oh, sorry. I'm good. Do you I'll want, sit closer. I'll I was gonna, sit closer. Yeah, I was going to say, do you want to like sit, sit on the corner? On maybe? the ground? <laughs> I'll sit on the ground. No, this is okay. I'll just... <laughs> I'll just get comfortable. Hey. Hey. So why didn't the marketing couple decide to get married? Mm, I feel like I should know this. Why? Because they weren't on the same landing page. <laughs> Wait. Good one. <laughs> Could the whole show just be that? Of like you doing dad jokes? Uh, I always start the show up with a dad joke. So in all seriousness, though. So we got connected because we're both in the health and fitness and wellness marketing world. And 
Um, we sat down and we had a conversation about how we feel like we want to bring some value to people that are doing marketing in their business, but they're not really quite sure what they're doing. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. But before we get into that, because that's all like the juicy content strategy piece. Before we get into that, though, can we just start off by telling people who you are, what you do, what you're up to and how you basically got into the marketing world in general? Okay. My name's Dana. <laughs> that I know. And I own a company called Milk and Honey Marketing, and we we do healthcare marketing strategy for retainer clients. And then we also pivoted in the last five years or so to really focus more on web design for healthcare clients. As far as how I got into healthcare and marketing, I you know it's funny I used to like walk the the grocery store aisles and just be fascinated by the products and like why is it that this product's design would draw my eye and not that one. And like, why is this one on this shelf and that one's on that shelf? Do they have to pay more for that shelf? And I was just really interested in really in design. And then I got into marketing school and like finished my last semester. And I was like, well, when, when are we going to learn design? <laughs> they were like, yeah, no, that's like, that's in a whole different college. Mm. That's in the communication school. And so I was like, okay. I guess we're just going to do marketing. So I started, you know, my first job out of college was uh, for a hospital. And I was really lucky to have a really wonderful boss that, that took me under her wing. And so she's actually the one that taught me design. And she knew that I was really interested in it. And she was very patient with me and, and let me, you know, play with all the, the Adobe design suite and let me kind of take over, you know, making all of the flyers and doing all of the things. And so it got to kind of satisfy that, that part of me. But, um, but yeah, that's, I guess that's how I got into marketing. Perfect. <laughs> Cereal. Yeah. <laughs> Checking out the the products in the aisle. I like that. Yeah. I feel like as a child, I didn't even actually notice that stuff, even though it was for sure having an influence on my choices and decisions, yeah. which I always think is interesting is like how our, our environment so often plays us like a fiddle. Like literally you walked in here and you saw clothing and you're like, Ooh, like, yeah shiny stuff like yeah. how can i have this right i must have this right <laughs> yes yeah so that's cool that you were already recognized that stuff was like making a difference on buying and life and shopping uh choices because like i it's it's everything right it's like the people we spend time with it's places we go the parks the, uh, everything it's always like it has a design whether we yeah. realize it or not yeah and exactly. i think it's i think it's so interesting because like we rarely recognize good design but we definitely recognize bad design yeah right? Yes. So anybody can recognize bad design, right? Like, yeah. why does this thing not work the way I want it to work? And then yeah. you notice it, right? Yeah. So let's get into a little bit more about the marketing side of things in your healthcare journey then. So like, what are some of the stuff that you learned as you were working in healthcare that maybe people could avoid or some of the things that we could um, learn from your experience in that setting? You know, right out the gate, I think coming into healthcare, it was really clear to me that, that healthcare was kind of behind on design, incorporating design into what we now know as patient experience. Like it wasn't, that wasn't really a thing back when I started. And, you know, the patient experience isn't just when they walk into the clinic, you know, it starts much, much earlier than that. So yeah, I think, you know, looking at, at all of the marketing materials right off the bat, I was like, oh, wow, that's, we're going to work on that. But I worked for a corporation. There was a lot of, you know, red tape. And, and so I did what we could, you know, if any marketing materials came our way that we could develop, 
you know, I really enjoyed doing that. But a lot of the times things were, you know, brochures and things like that. They were like shipped to us and it was like, this is what it is. But yeah, I mean, specific to our topic today, you know, with, with the website situation, I mean, it was, it was pretty dire. I mean, every website, you know, I was managing the marketing plan for um, six physicians, five affinity programs, you know, numerous hospital service lines. And, you know, for each one of those things, we had a marketing plan. And, and then each one of those places had kind of their own little home on the internet. And all of them were kind of rough, you know, when I first walked in. And so there was so much room for improvement there. And so that is where, you know, I spent a little bit of my time, but I was stretched really thin back then with all of that. But it was really apparent to me how important the online presence part of it was and how overlooked it was. So that definitely kind of played a role into leading me to where I am now, for sure. Yeah, you're hitting on something that we so often see specifically in the healthcare world is that they've often got away without really, to some degree, needing to care about a lot of those things, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Is, yeah, yeah. Is, is that the, the way the system is sort of set up is like, yeah, if, if you need healthcare or you need surgery, like you're going to go get it. Like yeah. you're not going to be shopping around looking for the best thing. But things have changed, right? I think a lot of things have changed in that realm and that in the sense of I'm sure as you and me personally, I work with a lot more people now who are more in that essentially like cash based or private pay or like um, really going their own personal route when they're trying to now build a business or build a brand or build a website or figure out their marketing plans is that now they're in a place where they realize like, oh, actually, this stuff matters because people are shopping now. Yeah, I mean, the landscape has definitely changed. Back when I started, you know, people, I think, were still primarily listening to, you know, I mean, private pay is one thing, but even in, like, the regular healthcare landscape back then, everybody was just listening to their PCP. You know, if you said, you need to go see this ENT, you didn't question it. That was just where you went. And and now, you know, the landscape has changed so drastically that, you know, healthcare practitioners really have to be aware of, I mean, this is not news to anybody, but they really have to be aware of what they look like online and that first impression that they make. I heard this statistic the other day that before the pandemic, 50% of private practices had been bought out by corporations and um, private equity groups. Since the pandemic, we're now up to upwards of 70% of private practices have now been acquired. And and again, I you know, I think most people have seen the writing on the wall with that and it's it's just become increasingly more difficult for folks to stay in private practice. And if you're going to do that and if you're going to compete with some of these people that have like a clear referral line, you know, if the PCP is employed by the healthcare system or by private equity, they're going to refer to the specialist that's within that. I mean, you know, it's unsaid, but that's what they're going to do. And so that leaves, you know, this, this smaller practice kind of high and dry. And so that's been a challenge for a lot of my clients is trying to figure out how do we compete Hmm. in a world where, you know, the, the referrals that we've been getting for dozens of years are now drying up and how do we stand apart? Because the consumer is making, you know, a little bit more of the decision now. So if my PCP says I have to go to an ENT, well, you know, they're going to say, this is who you want to go to. What am I going to do? Right. I'm going to Google them now. And if they have like a terrible online presence, then I'm for sure going to be like, Ooh, 
I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go check and see what, what else is out there. I think we have a little bit less trust in our physicians now than we did. And so that's a challenge for, for them for sure. But it also is helpful for the little guy when they're trying to, to garner some of those direct referrals instead of like coming through the pipeline that they had been used to. So, yeah, it's been a really, for me personally, as somebody who used to work in healthcare, a fun disruption, honestly, is because I think really, I mean that in the, don't be insensitive. Well, (laughs) I guess like if it's like impacting your, you know, your child's tuition, it's less fun probably. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, I mean that in the sense of like people are now, taking more personal responsibility for who they see in terms of like who they decide to work with from a healthcare standpoint. Cause mm. I'm just going off your point of like, yeah, it used to be like, go see so-and-so cause that's who I was always referred to or their quote unquote in our network versus now people honestly just don't trust a lot of like the higher sources, whether it's like the government or like their doctor yeah. or like the healthcare system in general right. um, from everything that you're seeing. And I, I feel like the silver lining in all that is that like the little guys to your point is like, yeah, a lot of them are getting bought out. But I also think too, is like, there's now a space for them if they can create a little uh, sliver in the market, right. Mm-hmm. Of like, I treat this person specifically right. and how can I help them? Right. Specializing. Yeah. Totally. Niching in. Mm-hmm. So let's get into that just a little bit. Oh, actually, before we do that, um, because that's going to be okay. a deep conversation, I feel like, but before we do that, can we just talk about your personal experience with healthcare and like how you've kind of worked through that and some of the things that you've learned just <laughs> going through the system, one could say. Sure. Corey, let's talk about it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I've definitely had my own experience as a, on the patient side in the healthcare system. And I think that that makes me a stronger marketer because I, I understand sort of the vulnerability of the patient side. And I really understand the fear from a patient side. Yeah, in 2008, oh, I get fuzzy on the dates. It was like right after our wedding. So we got married on New Year's Eve, 2008. Two weeks before that, I started having really bad headaches, and uh, turns out I needed brain surgery. I had what they thought was a a, um, a hemorrhaging. No, they thought it was a pituitary adenoma, which is like a tumor that grows on the inside of your pituitary gland. And um, so I had brain surgery two weeks after the wedding. It's actually a really crazy story. Do you want me to tell the whole story? Yeah. <laughs> Tell it. I mean, they didn't come here to listen to this. Um, They came here to listen to some really great tips, which we totally have for you. But, but yeah, the, the doctor had told us, you know, go, go on your honeymoon, go get married. Like, you know, we'll put you on these meds to, you know, as a steroid to control the, the tumor and pain meds and all that. And my husband, who was, uh, then Beyonce, the most frugal person that I had ever met at that point in my life. He owned a a box spring and a mattress and that was in a truck. He bought the insurance on our honeymoon package. And so that was like wild to me that he had like spent, the, I mean, and maybe he thought that the marriage wasn't going to work out, but so he had bought the insurance. So we were like, well, let's wait on the honeymoon, but we'd already paid for everything for the wedding. So we were like, let's go forward with the wedding. We'll wait on the honeymoon. So we did that and did the surgery two weeks after the wedding. And it wasn't what they thought it was. It was a hemorrhaging cyst. I already like gave away the punchline at the very beginning of this, but anyway, and so it had already started to bleed into my brain and it was kind of complicated thing and and had some complications afterwards. And it was a, it was difficult, you know, to navigate 
that with the medical bills and trying to understand all of that. And it was just, it was a really, it was a challenging time. Probably a couple months post-op, I went in to go see the, the neurosurgeon and he said, I feel like I have to tell you this. If you had gone on your honeymoon, you would not have survived. And to this day, that doesn't really feel like my story. Like I feel like I'm telling somebody else's story, but it's kind of crazy how that whole thing happened and, and that I'm still here to, to talk about it. And, and then shortly after that, like a week after I went back to work, my husband shattered his leg in a soccer accident, had to have emergency surgery on that, wound up getting pneumonia from the, the intubation, almost died of pneumonia and uh, back to the hospital and all that. And so, yeah, it was a really fun first year of marriage. I'm trying to navigate uh, healthcare, And, you know, meanwhile, I'm like working at the hospital and dealing with all of it. And yeah, it was a challenging time, but it definitely gave me a lot of perspective in terms of how I approach marketing. I feel like I try to be very sensitive. A lot of the clients that I work with are specialists. And so they're handling really sensitive issues for people. And so, you know, I always try to, when I'm working, especially on copywriting, I feel like that's always part of it is, is sort of an empathetic approach. So yeah, that's my, that's my fun party trick story. <laughs> well, what I think is interesting and cause we've talked about this story before prior to recording on here. And I guess I just now realize in the time when that was all happening is that you I don't want to say luxury, but you you were lucky enough to have had been working in the setting where you could talk to the people and the experts and the and the people that could really help you in that really dire situation. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people aren't in that scenario, right? And it makes me think of actually how important it is that from a marketing standpoint or a website standpoint or an information standpoint that we do get that stuff right, mm-hmm. even from just like trying to help people, right? Because mm-hmm. like if the information isn't out there and you don't have the access to the doctor or nurse or whatever to be able to figure that stuff out, like what do you do? Yeah. You just go to Dr. Google and pray you figure it out on your own? Like, right. So right. So even from a marketing standpoint, I feel like that's really important. But Yeah, over-communication. Totally. So let's do get into that though in terms of yeah. like let's say somebody was – in that position where like, okay, I understand marketing is important. I understand this is a big part of, especially in the healthcare industry and business as a whole. What's maybe the first thing somebody should be looking to or or what's like the first step in like getting that right? I think probably the most important piece of it is to really understand who it is that you're trying to speak to. I think most of my clients that I come to, they have an idea. I mean, the physicians, they certainly know, you know, who it is that they're seeing day in and day out. You know, what is their gender? What is their age? What's their location? What are they into? What are they most afraid of? And they have this. (laughs) They have this, you know, this knowledge of who it is that they want to talk to. But that that knowledge usually is not translated to the marketing department if Mm. there is even one. And and it's definitely not on the website, you know, and. So I think that's probably the most important thing that you could do for your practice is to really understand and wrap your brain around exactly who it is that you're speaking to and what are they interested in and what their fears are. 
Do you feel like there's like certain exercises you do when you're working with a client to figure some of this stuff out? Or like, what are some of the practical steps somebody could take? Is it just like taking out a notepad and writing this stuff out? Like, what would you do? I mean, for me, you know, my clients obviously go through a process. I have a a worksheet that they work through. And so anytime I'm starting a new web design project or a strategy project, that's the first thing that I do is really work with them to get clear on exactly who it is that we're talking to. Usually where I start is trying to figure out what it is that they make the most money doing and what do they enjoy. And so, you know, that's that's a challenging conversation for doctors because they don't like to think of it, you know, as a business. And they don't like to think of their clients as clients. It usually takes a little bit of prodding to get to that point. They don't want to talk numbers, you know, because really like most most of my clients are not, you know, they're not they're not in it for the money. But like they have to keep their doors open. And in order to do that, like this is where you start. You have to figure out what is paying the bills and and that you feel is a an ethical service offering that you have. And so we usually start with that. We pick the top two or three, and that's what we're gonna focus on. And even on a website, maybe we pick like five and we create personas for each of those. And it doesn't have to be complicated. Like a persona doesn't have to be, you know, this crazy thing, like literally age, gender, location, interests, fears. I'm probably missing one, but those are like the top five, I would say, of really what you want to pare down on get to get a clear idea of exactly who you want to be talking to. Yeah, I think the only one I add when I do that is like goals and desires. Like what are the things that they want out of their life? But- yeah, yeah, for sure. Like in your, you know, I feel like on, on your side of things, with PT and Cairo, I feel like that's a really important piece to address. Goals and desires, it's a little bit more fluffy on my side. Mm. <laughs> Although, I mean, not entirely, but it really it does wrap really well into fears, right? As the goal is like the opposite of the fear. Totally. Whether that's like becoming a parent, you know, the fear is that you'll never be able to conceive a child, you know, for my fertility clients, so... Well, purely from a marketing standpoint, the fears are obviously a lot better motivators anyways for people. Of like, I know. I don't want to say that, but that is true. It's a fact. It is a fact, yeah. which is why this <laughs> this is why we're negging you on this on this podcast. Yeah, do these or people are going to die. <laughs> you're right. This is why your website you're is gonna terrible. A, you're going to have a brain tumor if you don't yeah. do these things. Yeah. <laughs> As I told you before this podcast, uh, coming on to I like, went and listened to a lot of your podcasts and everybody's so positive and uplifting and I'm like here's why your website stinked <laughs> but we're gonna fix it okay we're gonna get it together together so yeah it's uh this timing for this conversation is interesting for me because I literally just had a post about the same thing about in terms of like understanding who your audience is and mm. the reason I feel like this is so important for me even from like just to really drive the home po- the point home is that People, if you're listening to the show or you're even in like health or fitness or healthcare, you're in that industry, I'd be willing to bet that you want to make a difference. You want to help people. Like you want to have an impact. You actually want people to get better. And the irony in that is that if you really desire those things for the people that you're working with, that you're actually doing them a disservice by not getting specific on who you're helping. Because when we, Mm -hmm. it was Seth Godin that said, the great marketer, which I'm sure you're familiar with, that said, if we try to please everyone, we end up delighting no one. Mm -hmm. And so like, it's actually doing a disservice if you're not clear on who it is we're trying to talk to and who we're trying to market to. Whether you're a physician or a Cairo or a PT or whatever it is, like 
knowing who you're talking to is doing them a favor mm -hmm. by really understanding them at their deepest level so you can actually help them. Yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of the times too, that the end consumer, they don't even really understand their, their problem. So if you can get to the point where you're that clear and you're spelling it out for them right off the bat, like they're going to land on your website and they're going to be like, Oh, God, somebody gets it. Somebody mm -hmm. gets what I'm going through, you know, and it, it's going to build that trust right off the bat too. Yeah, I think it was, was it Henry Ford that said like, if I listened to what everybody wanted, I would have just got faster horses, basically. <laughs> yeah, I think I've heard that. Right. Corey with the quotes today. <laughs> People have no idea what they want. <laughs> okay, step one, get clear in your audience. What would step two be then? So let's say I'm dialed in on who this person is that I'm trying to serve and help. What do I do next? What do I do with that information? We're still talking general marketing plan? Yes. Corey, you're throwing me curveballs here, bruh. <laughs> It'll apply to the website. We'll get to it. Okay. Well, you're stealing my notes for website. But yeah, okay. So audience is clear. And once you have a really good idea of who your audience is, that's, that's when you're able to take that and then create brand guidelines. What's brand guidelines, you might say? That's marketing speak for your colors, your logo, and how your logo is used, your fonts the tone that you use, how casual your speak is. My joke here was your logo looks like it was made in Microsoft Paint. <laughs> Wait, hold on. <laughs> Got it. Thank Eric. you. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah, so have like putting together like a professional, I mean, it doesn't even have to be complicated. Like you could go in Canva and figure this out. That's a website. And you could put together, you know, and, and it, yes, it would be great to hire a professional to do this. And you can hire people that probably do it for small amounts of money on places like Fiverr and things like that. I personally recommend going through a healthcare company that understands marketing and that understands your clients and can help you further understand your ideal client and put that together. But basically, it's just a little PDF sheet that sums up exactly how you want to present yourself in the world. Yeah, the only one I would add to that would be yes, please. Uh, um, is one I learned recently from actually a marketing group here in Austin was uh, if your brand was a person, who would it be? Like, like a celebrity. Mm. And yeah. uh, for me recently. Yeah, who's yours? I know, right? I was just gonna, <laughs> I'm like, who's mine? I was just going to tell you. Who? What? I don't know. I was kind of feeling Ryan Gosling. No, not Ryan Gosling. Uh, Ryan Reynolds. Okay, I can right? see that. Kind of like sarcastic, not too yeah. serious. Goofy, but also like smart and handsome. Bingo. He's <laughs> <laughs> got his act together. <laughs> Who would mine be? I don't, you tell me. I don't, I don't know. know. I, I know. I feel like it'll just be an insult probably. <laughs> I feel like that's where that's going. I don't know. We don't have to put this on the podcast. We can discuss that after. Who would it be? Let's, let's figure it out. Oh, God. What embodies... I mean, you're, you're kind of, it's like, what's the female, who's, who's his wife? Uh, oh, Lively? I'm not are saying. Are you proposing no, to me right I'm, now, Okay, that's, that's what that sounded like. <laughs> but no, I was just thinking like, you have, that's obviously why we get along is like, you have that same, like, yeah, you're fun, playful, kind of sarcastic. So yeah. like Blake Lively. Blake Lively's super cool. Right. Yeah. So she's kind of falls in that demographic, right? I would totally take that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody, you heard it here first. <laughs> All right, oh, man. step one, know who you're talking to. Step two, brand guidelines. 
colors, fonts, messaging, yes. copywriting, who's your avatar or who's your celebrity. I guess I don't even know what I'd call that. Maybe don't do that. Okay. Um, <laughs> what's step three? Competitive advantage would be probably the next thing. What sets you apart from your competition? Unique selling proposition. Correct. Go. What I usually have to spell that out for people, but I love that you knew that. Yeah. Yeah, you need to understand your USP, right? What is it that sets you apart from the guy across the street doing basically the same thing? And if you don't have a USP or you don't understand your USP, you better come up with one. That's probably my best advice for somebody that if, you, if you're like, hmm, I don't know. First sit on it for a minute because usually when I give people time, they'll be like, well, actually – you know, our turnaround time is faster. You know, our, our surgery numbers are better. I mean, there's all kind. I mean, it, it depends on your industry, right? But if we're talking to Cairo and PT folks, I mean, there's a slew of things that you could do that could set you apart from the competition. And that's everything from customer service. You know, when they walk in the door, what are you offering them? You know, what does your office environment look like? Is it comfortable? To, you know, what, what am I, when I get, like when I get a PT plan, right, for my diastasis recti, am I getting a printout that you copied 800 times and that's like displaced and I can't really read it? Or are you sending me to, you know, your website where it, there's videos of the exercises that I'm supposed to perform? You know, there's all different kinds of things that you can do. And that's that's a big project, right? Like that would obviously be harder to accomplish, but there's lots of things that you can do that can set your practice apart that aren't difficult, right? Like fresh flowers in the waiting area, good music that's playing, good design just in general. Like, come on, people. Like our, our healthcare environments don't have to look like they did. Like we've come a long way. <laughs> There's so much room now, you know, in furniture that's healthcare compliant, right? That you can wipe down that doesn't look like this sterile waiting area. You want to create an environment that people want to come back to. So I think understanding your competitive advantages is really important because how else are you going to market those and share that with the world if you yourself don't even know? Totally. So, and also, too, just like to your point of not feeling like you need to be so buttoned up. Like, mm-hmm. I think oftentimes that's a mistake that we're trying to, like, put this front. Not to say that we're not trying to be professional, because obviously it's important that people trust you and having a professional image helps with that. But at the same time, they also want to be relatable, mm-hmm. right? Like, you can't be on this pedestal of this, like, amazing physician that the red carpet lays out whenever they walk on the street or something, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I think that was like one of the first things I think that set me apart as a web designer right off the bat was that the copy that I was writing for my clients was not, you know, this like sterile healthcare copy that it had been always, you know, prior to five years ago, like all of healthcare copy was welcome to the practice of Dr. John Smith. At this practice, we author, you know, orthopedic injury services and, here's a list of our services and here's our office hours. And that was it, you know? And so my point being is that like, it's more conversational and that's, that's like a major turn that if you're not a healthcare marketer, maybe you don't, you haven't like recognized that, but 
I think it's a really important thing to incorporate into your practice, however you can, whether that's through social media and the way that you're speaking to people through social media or on your website or your marketing materials. How can you give your brand personality, you know, to where it's not that boring, just healthcare talk? Let's get some into the practical stuff out of that then. So now that we've kind of covered like the grassroots of what you need from a marketing standpoint in terms of like understanding your audience, having brand guidelines, making sure that you have some sort of unique avenue or unique selling proposition. So let's get into some of the practical stuff of, do you need a blog? Do you need certain headlines? Do you need certain photos, um, click links, that sort of stuff? Like, I'm going to pull up my notes down, Corey. Pull them up. It's on. As far as a website goes, because that is kind of my, that's my expertise, there's a, a lot of, of pieces that are really consistent. When people come to me, I see it time and time again. Pretty much every website that I've worked on has shared almost all of these struggles. Let's talk pictures. So, you know, prior to five years ago, if you went to a healthcare, you know, practitioner website, you would see a headshot, which is usually from like medical school. And it's from the 1980s. Like I literally had one that a doctor gave me once in black and white. And I was like, no, 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 (laughs) no, no, no. We're not doing that. Um, From 1937. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The best photo I got. Uh Uh-huh. (laughs) Uh-huh. So um, yeah, let's talk things to avoid first as far as pictures go. Old headshots, like, come on, come on, people. Like, we can do better. Let's get some new, fresh pictures in there. If you have pictures, we talked about this before, pet peeve. If you have pictures on your website, who's who's videotaping? Both of these? Both. Let me just speak to you. If you have a picture on your website and the doctor has their arms crossed, (laughs) no, 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 okay? Toss it, okay? There's so many stock photos now that can tell your story in a much more modern way in an approachable way um people don't want to see that like it's just noise and it makes you look super outdated and and as if you're not really even in touch with what's going on now it makes the client think hmm are they even are they up to date you know with ongoing education like do they even understand like new procedures are they you know what's the deal like these people look like they're from 10 years ago 20 years ago you know it's just crazy the internet's been around that long what else there's no pictures of the practice like at the very least if you can just even get a picture of the outside of the practice so that people have a visual aid it's always stressful when you're going to a doctor for the first time you don't know where you're going and I mean, I can't tell you how many times. I mean, even just like finding this place. I'm like 15 minutes early and I'm like, oh God, I don't know where I'm going. You know, like it gives us anxiety. You don't want to give them anxiety before they even walk in the door, you know? So having a picture of the outside of the practice, ideally you would have a photographer come in and do what we like to call in marketing speak, lifestyle shots, right? Of you treating a patient of you, you know, your front desk person greeting somebody at the door of like your waiting area and making it look nice, like putting some fresh plants in there. Plants will take you really far as far as making a space feel really comfortable and inviting. So lifestyle shots, and and that's, you know, you can find good photographers where that's 
not super expensive. It's not the cheapest investment usually, but those are pictures that you can use everywhere. You can use it on your website. You can use it on your Google listing, your Yelp listing, your health grades listing, your social media accounts. Like you can put all of that everywhere. And that's kind of part of your brand guideline, right? It's telling your story, you know, across the internet so that no matter where somebody goes, they're going to get a consistent impression of you. And then, yeah, you need a good headshot. I like to take my headshots outside. I mean, I don't take them. I'm not a photographer, but for my clients, I like to do them outside. I like to incorporate as much of God's green earth into all of my marketing as possible. I just feel like it helps make things more approachable and comfortable. I'm just a big fan of plants, but <laughs> I digress. Yeah, I think that's probably that's my, my, my top picture points. Do you have anything to add on that? Yeah, nice softball back to me that was good have you been on a podcast show before first time first time first time <laughs> that's what she said anyways <laughs> so two things all that's phenomenal for the record the other things that i would just add though to your question one would be like make sure they're within brand right so i often i often yes. tell people like if your color or logos are a certain color try to wear that shirt or yes. that dress. Thank you for pointing that out. Yeah. It, yeah. Cause like there's nothing worse than like having great photos, but then the colors completely mismatch to what yes. we're trying to do within yes. your business. Yeah. And the other thing too, is that I always tell people, if you wouldn't do this in real life, like <laughs> don't take a photo of you doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Like where everyone's like good advice. hands in the middle. Oh gosh. Or like, no, let's, you know what I mean? Like whatever the fake photo is right, that people right. are immediately Everybody's like standing around with their hands. Right. Like, no. Exactly. That's why the hands crossed no. one is like, you're not, you never do that in real life. Why are you doing yeah. that in a photo? I'm a big fan of candids, mm. like action. You know, you like see an arm moving or you're not looking right at the camera. No. I can't think of a single picture that I've put on a website that people are looking right at the camera outside of a group shot and a headshot. Basically everything else, the attention should be directed at like whatever it is that you're doing. And then your point on the colors, I'm so glad you brought this up. Photo shoots are like a big, a big part of, for me, for the web de development process. Marketing in general. Yeah, I play a big role with my clients mm -hmm. on making sure that we get the photos right. Like I have been known to go to Hobby Lobby and buy lots of things to put in the background, plants. Um, <laughs> but also like when, when we're working with, with brand guidelines, you know, we have that color palette. So I'm advising my clients like, this is our color palette. Don't wear all white. Don't wear all black. That can work sometimes, but it's a little trickier sometimes with editing. But like I'd get like a little, like like say teal is, is one of your brand colors. Like get like a little teal flower pot, right? That's in the back of your picture. It's blurred out. You're not really seeing it. But man, like that takes your marketing to a whole nother level when it looks like you thoughtfully put together a photo shoot and it's really like speaking into your brand. Speaking of pet peeves, like you had on earlier, nothing crushes my soul more than like designing a great site and everything looks good. And then they come to me with this photo oh, that gosh. just destroys it. Right. I can't, I can't speak on this cause it's too personal actually. It happens so it's hurtful. It's, it's bad. They're like, well, I took all these like great personal photos. So I don't have to use stock. And it's like, but it makes it look worse, like 10 times worse. Like, I'm like literally going through this situation right now. So I feel like I shouldn't speak. <laughs> it's painful. It is painful when you, you pour your heart and soul into a design and then a, a folded arm stock photo picture comes back and they say, we want this one. 
And I have to very carefully explain why that's a terrible idea. <laughs> right. Yeah. And this isn't this isn't yeah. to slam anybody who's done that or to like be like you're... No it is. You should you should not do that. <laughs> but, it, but it's just <laughs> important. Just but it's just important that we talk about it so people are aware like Yes. And actually I'm glad you said that because I had this disclaimer in my head that I wanted to bring up at the very beginning. You are not your website, okay? You're not your marketing, okay? You, website. You, marketing. Two different people, okay? So all of this advice today, don't take it personally, you know? Like, we're not attacking you. We're trying to help you. We love you, okay? We just want to help. And I just... I don't most of my clients, I'm lucky that most of my clients aren't the person that that built the website. So when I come in and have like a stank look on my face and I'm trying really hard to like turn into a smile, they don't take offense to it. But in case there's anyone out there that built their own website, it's okay. Okay. You're a healthcare practitioner. You don't have to be good at everything. Okay. Please don't send me hate mail. Um, You're so much more loving than I am. I, I just fucking hammer people. Um, I feel like this is a good segue that's not in your notes, but I want to hit on it real okay, quick. Let's do it. Um, video. So. Oh, yes. <clears throat> How did I not have that in my notes? I don't know. It's a huge part of what I do. So, okay. Do we? Do you want to run with that? Because, like, yes, photos are incredibly important. Design's all incredibly important. But, like. I feel like a real connection maker for a lot of people and it really garners a lot of just like trust with your audience is video. Yeah. What can we learn? Yeah. I mean, video is to me, it's the cherry on top. Typically, you know, unless it's one of my bigger national clients, they're not coming to me saying, hey, I want to pay you to build my brand guidelines and my website and manage my photo shoot and fly out here and manage a video shoot, right? Like those are my big budget clients love when that happens. But usually the videos happen like year two. There's a lot of things you can do in the meantime, I think that that are great. They don't necessarily belong on your homepage of your website, depending on your, who you're serving. Like, you know, if you're cutting someone's back open, I don't think a, a video that you did on your iPhone is appropriate for the homepage. But if you're like a Cairo that's like reaching out to moms that have pelvic floor issues, then then yeah, it, it could work there. But yeah, for me, video, I love video because we can be really strategic about communicating those competitive advantages. It's great for building trust with your with your patients ahead of time before they even walk in the door. The likelihood of them questioning your advice is going to go down if they trust you. And how do we build trust? With your website, with your online presence, and video is a great way to do that because they're gonna be able to look at your face, hear your tone of voice, see your authenticity, and they're not coming in like in their stress, right? In that moment and trying to assess, do I like this guy? What do I think about him? Is he gonna hurt me? Like, you know, it, it's scary. Totally. Seeing a physician for the first time, especially if it's like a specialist and, so we usually start with like a brand video, just trying to explain the practice, competitive advantages, get to know the physicians. Testimonial videos are fantastic to have. In healthcare, I think that goes a really long way. I mean, written testimonials are one thing and it's nice to have those and you definitely need to have those on your website. But video testimonials take that to a whole nother level because you're like, oh, this is a real person. You know, Gretchen H., 
how do we know that she's like a, a real person? Like anybody could have written that, you know? We do a lot of testimonial videos, and when we're doing those, we pick them strategically by what? The service lines that make us the most money, mm. right? We're not just doing any kind of any kind of uh, testimonial video. We're gonna we're gonna pick the people that we've helped that have utilized a service that is helping keep our doors open. So we usually pick a handful of those, like three, to start with, and you know get to know the doctor. Videos are great. It's just that video is expensive, right? So if you're a small practice and you don't have a big budget, I think there's ways around this. I would invest in a brand video. I think at the very least. A brand video, it just it takes you to a different level in terms of how the client sees you. Love it. Uh, I don't think you missed anything on that. Yeah, I'm only, sure I did. I'm gonna lay awake at night. <laughs> well, the only thing <laughs> I was briefly gonna touch on is like, yeah, I think it's it's worth considering what kind of practice you have because like, oftentimes too is like if you can to your original point about like get a client just to like take out their phone, stand in front of a window. Mm -hmm. And be like, hey, just like, can you just record yourself just mm -hmm. explaining how your experience was with me? Making it as pressure free as humanly possible is so important because like, how hard is it just to get a basic like review from somebody? Like that's right. that's the hardest thing in the world at times, right? Yeah. And so yeah. like my basic system, just if anybody wants to steal it, is basically like I'll ping people a total of three times and if they still don't do it for me, then that's cool. Like I'm just gonna kind of move on with my life. But like yeah. having some sort of way of being like, hey, if you could do this, it'd be great. And then just follow up with them a couple of times. And if not, that's fine. Yeah. Photos, video, what do we got next? <sighs> Babe, if you're website is not HIPAA compliant. We need to talk. Okay. <laughs> Let's just say it's very, very common that most healthcare practices and organizations, like big organizations, their website is not HIPAA compliant. That's something you should be aware of from a consumer perspective. But before you tell people how to fix that, why is that a problem? It's, we're talking if now it's a big if right like who's going to turn you in for this how are they going to know well how are they going to know because they can they can pull up your website boo and they can see on the back end exactly how your form builders are working so it's not a secret like i could go to anybody's website and pull up and be able to see what they're using and know right off the bat whether or not they're hipaa compliant it's important because if you if you have a form builder on your website that's not hipaa compliant and you are aware of this and then they find out the governing body finds out about it. We're talking fines. I mean, they, I mean, listen, I don't, I don't think they would ever throw the book at somebody, but they have a little bit. And like the, I mean, there's jail time. Like that's what's listed. Like when you Google it, like go Google it. <laughs> like that is what's listed is a, is a potential repercussion for not being HIPAA compliant on your website and your form builders. So that's like the first thing right off the bat that I usually address with my clients when we're sitting down to look at their website. I mean, almost, almost never because they don't really think about that, right? They're not doing it maliciously. They're not trying to hurt people or be um, irresponsible with their PHI, but people just don't realize that, that that is a requirement that you need, your forms need to be HIPAA compliant. It needs to be encrypted, encrypted and secured. I never thought about this until you just brought it up, but how many of their doctor influencers are that are out there that like, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Is, uh, I can't speak on that at the moment. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I, and, I, and I have worked and met and helped out a lot of those guys. Right. And yeah. like, 
nothing against them as people in any no. way, shape, or form. But no, I'm sure they have not even no. has not crossed their mind. But it's something that like keeps me awake at night. Like I really, I'm like changing my passwords every whatever it is i forget like i have it like set up automatically to like change my password every whatever eight weeks or whatever your social media no 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 for um like my form builders and things anywhere mm. that like i have access to phi you know like i have my computer like locked down like nobody's getting into it as far as from my perspective that freaks me out like somebody were to steal my computer I feel like this has really taken a turn. <laughs> this is interesting. <laughs> I have so many thoughts about a fellow designer who seems like a little bit tightly wound about this HIPAA thing. This is interesting. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Well, it just freaks me out. I don't know. I, I don't want to be the person. I'm like sweating now, Corey. Turn the <laughs> AC back on. Just glowing. Um, I have that no, effect. I, obviously. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be the person that messes it up for them. You know, that, that they wind up having to make some report mm. on a data leak or a hack or any of that because I left my computer in a coffee shop while I was using the bathroom and sitting on the computer, you know, on the Wi-Fi in the coffee shop. So I'm, yeah, I'm a little neurotic when it comes to, to HIPAA, but that's just because I knew, I know too much about it. You know, for people that this is the first time they've ever thought about it. Like, I'm sorry if you lose any sleep tonight. My bad, but <laughs> but it's something we need to think about. You know, it's something that we've got to we've got to incorporate into into just like everyday practice because like it's there's just the risk is too high in my opinion. You don't want to lose your practice. You don't want to lose your reputation because of freaking website form or because of your Instagram account. So well, even the one that really. Uh, shines brightly for me is like TikTok in terms of how many like influencers there are on TikTok, which is a fun fact. Did you know that actually TikTok is now a bigger search platform than Google? I did hear that the other day. Which, oh my gosh, which is fine, but I like mean, I'm not good at choreographed dancing, so I'm not on TikTok for that reason. But not yet, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in five minutes we're gonna do a little, yeah. do a little TikTok together. We'll join the masses. Mm-hmm. But from a data standpoint, uh, it's like it's obviously a Chinese-owned company, and there's a lot of issues about like they're literally just yeah. like sucking up it's all the data. Yeah. Right. And so like, yeah. especially somebody in the health or wellness industry of like that's even more of something to be aware of. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, like you just have to protect yourself, I think, and you have to do your best. I think that, you know, with HIPAA, I feel like they're lenient in the way that like, they're not lenient with most things, but they are lenient with marketing in the sense that if you have done your damnedest to protect your patient's information, the odds of them coming down on you with a fine, certainly not jail time, I think is probably less. So, um, wow, we're talking shell time here. This yeah. It's got so heavy. Let's, let's move on. on. <laughs> okay. Your phone number is not clickable. This irritates me to no end. You know, most of the time when I'm Googling a practice and I, I want to call them or Googling anything and I want to call them, usually I'm like hitting it right off the listing. I don't even bother going to the website if it's just for a phone call. But, um, if they're on your website and you have your phone number listed, please, please link it so that if I'm on my phone, I can just boop and call you. Next up, your headline and your hero image. So that's the, the image at the very top of your website. Sometimes it's not an image, but usually it is. It needs to sum up the problem that you solve. It needs to speak to that person, right? Like it shouldn't be 
it shouldn't be too vague. I mean, I feel like that, especially, you know, on the, on the Cairo PT side, like vagueness is not what you want to go for. Like we kind of talked about earlier, like you want a niche in to exactly who you're speaking to. I mean, it could be that that, you know, if you have too many of those, they become landing pages, but generally (laughs) contradicting myself. Now you want to be clear about what problem it is that you're solving and a picture that resonates with those people. It should not be some random healthcare picture or pictures of mountains or whatever else, you know, it should immediately draw you in. You haven't added to your blog in three years. Um, we all, we all had a hard time during the pandemic. Okay. So like, I feel you, boo. I feel you. Um, you got to get back to that blog, right? Like that, that is your, your key place to be adding content to your website, to tell Google that you're relevant and to be answering questions for your ideal clients. So identifying what those questions are, you know, just keep like a notebook, you know, in your practice where, you know, as you're like, you, you, you hear these things all the time and then, you know, it might come time to like write a blog strategy and you're like, I don't know. So just like keep a written record of some of the more common questions that you hear in the practice and then address it. And that way, when somebody's looking for the answer to that question, you know, it may be Dana that saw you in the practice, but maybe Jenny over here is having the same exact problem and she's trying to find an answer to it. And like, boop, there you are with your pretty little website and your gorgeous lifestyle shots. make a TikTok video about it because that's now a bigger platform. That is not what I'm saying. (laughs) Which is crazy to think about. It is crazy. I don't know. I I really, I have resistance to it, which makes me feel old in a way. I mean, am I not hip with the times? I don't know. Most of my, most of my clients are not going after that younger audience. And so I, I feel very lucky that I haven't had to spend much time from a marketing perspective, really researching it as a marketing opportunity. But I can certainly see how, you know, if you're trying to draw people that are in their 20s, maybe 30s, I don't know, people in their 30s do TikTok. I think everybody does now. Like I said, it's the biggest platform. Yeah. Well, here's, here's, (laughs) well, here's my thing. I'm with you. I don't, I don't use it. I haven't used it mostly because like from a business standpoint, it's more, the platform is more B2C, I'm more B2B. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting about it though, and like what actually kind of opened my eyes to it was that really people are just looking for the quickest answer to their problem. And so if you want to learn how to make a hard boiled egg really quickly, you can jump on TikTok and watch a 30 second video. I don't need to watch a 10 minute Gordon Ramsay mm-hmm. video of mm-hmm. him showing me how to make an egg, right? Yeah. I want this information in 30 seconds if I can, Yeah. right? And so like that really opened my eyes to it. And even to your point about blog, which is why I wanted to bring this up, is that like if you are doing blogs, actually what they're finding now, just from a purely strategy standpoint, is that like it used to be for the longest time of like the ultimate guide, the ultimate guide mm-hmm. to websites or lower back pain or whatever, name your thing. Mm -hmm. And now it's actually kind of flipped to like more of a condensed version of that information. Cause Mm -hmm. like people don't want to scroll through a 13 page blog. So that's also worth considering is that people, I think kind of get stressed out about like, well, I need to make this like massive blog. It's like, not really. Like if you, to your point about like keeping track of the questions that are asked 
often, like even it could just be like a frequently asked questions. Like mm -hmm. this gets asked all the time. Here's a quick answer to your problem, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anything you want to add to that? No, I hate TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> it's you say that it's listening to me right now, and it's going to come after me. I'm sure. Right? <laughs> no, I get it. I understand it from a marketing perspective, and and certainly, you know, to your point about about searching things. But I think it comes down to audience, you sure. know, and I don't know. My my struggle with it. Number one, it's not HIPAA compliant. People are messaging you through TikTok. Like that info is going to China and back mm -hmm. and like who's to say at some point that there's not some hubbub about or that they get hacked and like all of your messages are released. I don't know. And that's probably a doomsday approach, but I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's You're just my, not ready. That's my answer. All right. You're not I'm, ready, I'm not for, ready it. for it. <laughs> <laughs> You're not ready. I got Cutting it. edge, except for TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> um okay what else did we miss your social media feed is embedded this is also a great way for your website to look fresh so that when i look at it today it looks different than i did like last week it's just to have that little that little embed of facebook instagram tiktok wherever you are having that on your website so that there's like fresh you know this looks a little bit different Anything you want to add to that? No, actually, okay. we're just thinking, I don't even know that I've ever seen a TikTok embed. I don't think I have either. I don't even know if that's, I'm a sure it's thing? a thing, but I'm, I don't know. Anyways. Notes for us to look into. This is a big one. Actually, I'm going to save that one for last. A second to last, also a big one. Your site isn't ADA compliant. So folks with disabilities can't navigate your site. You know, obviously, like, we want to do our best as marketers to make sure that, that everybody's able to access this information. So what does that mean? It means that the contrast on your website is great enough to where people can read it that have, you know, visual impairments. If they're blind, you have your heading tags set up so that Google can actually like read to them the most important content in the, the, the direction of that content so that it's cohesive and it makes sense to them. This is something that has not occurred to most of the clients. I don't think any of my clients had heard about ADA compliance. It became kind of the forefront of, of web design probably like four years ago because there was a lot of lawsuits around it. And so everybody got really scared and wanted to make sure that their websites were ADA compliant. So it's definitely something to, to you know, check off your list with your web developer. Last is that you don't have online appointment requests that are HIPAA compliant. So again here, this has to be HIPAA compliant. Okay, I feel like we've nailed that home. But number two, and, and I don't know, is this something that, first maybe educate me about your clients, because this is something that my clients almost never have when they come to me. They never have an online appointment request. Is that something that your clients are already doing? Because I feel like you guys are like more hip and <laughs> have it together a little bit more. It's something that we discuss with our clients, but it's something our clients rarely, if ever, are aware of. I would have thought that that more more folks in your space would be doing it, because there's so many platforms now that that integrate with the newer EMRs. Most of my clients are on older EMRs. And so we very rarely are able to do like a book an appointment situation. So what we do uh, instead of booking appointment is requesting an appointment. And so that's basically just a it's an encrypted form that's sent to your front office desk, they have to enter a password in order to see it, they pull it up, they email the person or call the person or text the person and then the conversation goes from there. 
you know, and it seems, I think for some, some folks, especially, you know, that have been in practice a long time, it seems like a hassle. They're like, oh, well, just have them call me. But that is not what people do anymore. And you're not there 24-7 to answer your phone. I think that's one of the biggest challenges. And you don't have a call center. So, you know, somebody that's, that's having an issue at 6 o'clock at night, you know, they're not able to get a hold of anybody. But, hey, like, I just want to check it off my list as the consumer, right? Like, I need a skin cancer screening. <laughs> like, I need it. I don't want to do it. I know that I need it. I need to check it off my list. I feel so much better if I've like filled out the form and it's like sent and I'm like, okay, I started that process at least. So it's better than nothing. I mean, ideally I'd be able to pull it up, look at it, see what they have, look at my calendar, book it. You know, they have all the information that they need about me of what kind of appointment that I need, what's going on with me. What are my issues? What are my questions? Like that's, that's a perfect world, right? Yeah. I think it's important to note too, just from pure marketing 101 is just like reducing the friction of what it takes to connect with you essentially. Cause you're right about like the phone call thing is that I think a lot of resistance around that is like, do I have to wait on a hotline or are they actually going to answer their phone? And if they don't answer their phone, do I leave a message? Do I got to call back? And like being able to just send a, a message just streamlines that process. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You said that much more profoundly. So maybe we just edit my part out. <laughs> It, uh, so fun story for you. I, uh, <clears throat> I have a trip coming up here in August with a group of guys out to Smoky Mountains National Park, and we have a 12 person van that I rented through Avis, the car rental company. And we, we, we've done a number of these. The last one was out in Washington State. And I tell you, I tell you this because, like, nothing brings me more joy than like riding in a 12 person van, which is like a bunch of my guys just like out through national parks. Sounds smelly. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. BO. But awesome. But uh, what I was going to say is like, it was this, I think this was a couple of weeks ago, I called Avis to change the pickup and drop up time of the van from like, oh from like 2 p.m. to noon or something like that, right? Uh-huh. And I call and I got somebody on the phone actually. And I was like, hey, like really simple. I just want to change the pickup drop off time from like 2 p.m. to noon. And she's like, she's like, ah, it seems like we're having an error in our computer. Like, um, uh, can you call back tomorrow? And I was like, <laughs> Did you like, do it tomorrow? Right. That's, that's literally what I said. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, there's like, there's no rush on this. Like the trip is until August. Just like whenever the air goes away, just do me a favor and like change the appointment time. Yeah. And she's like, no, we, we can't do that. You're going to have to call back tomorrow. Yeah. And I was like, so wait a minute. Uh-huh. You want me to call back tomorrow to ask you the same question I'm asking you right now. Like, uh-huh. why can't you just like write a note on your desk that says change Corey's appointment from 12 p.m. <laughs> to 2 p.m. tomorrow? She's like, no. That's what she said. No, 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 I can't do that. But, uh, but I was like, I was like, you gotta, I, I was at this point, I was like, this Out, is <laughs> outrage. I was like, this is insane to me. I was like, are you, are you kidding me right now? And, uh, and I was, and I, I was trying to be as kind as I humanly could. Cause I know they yeah. just get beef all the time. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I was like, listen, I'm, I'm not trying to ruin your day. I promise. But like, you got to understand how silly this conversation is right now. Right. <laughs> And, and she, and she, I love that you went there. You're like, can we just lay it out of like what what's happening right now? Are we both on the same page? I was baffled, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And uh, silence on the end of the phone. She didn't say a word. And I was like, well, I guess I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> love ya. <laughs> and like hung up the phone, and it was oh. it was the silliest thing of all time. And it was like. I don't know. It's yeah. stuff like that from like as a business owner slash marketer and you see these inefficiencies in the business mm-hmm. and you just question them. Right. Yeah. And you're just like, this could have been so strange, especially for a company like Avis. That I'm sure they're a 
billion dollar company. Yeah. I don't know. You'd think they would have it dialed in. Right. Right. But apparently they're yeah. still figuring it out. Right. It so. makes me think like, did the person that called that was like, I'd like to reserve the Bentley next week. And they're like, Oh, I'm sorry. Our system's down. Can you call tomorrow? <laughs> like, <laughs> is that what happens? <laughs> How are they still around? Yeah. <laughs> Um, because ah. there's that much need, right? Yes, and like five rental cars. <laughs> well, well, probably because, like, honestly, the rental car company's crushing it right now. They, no. You can't get a rental anywhere. Actually, I have a buddy who rented a. Are they crushing it? They though? are. I swear to God. Cause well, I guess because everything's upcharged, they're like making up for it. By yes. Charging a ton. Yeah. And uh, I had a buddy that went somewhere and they, he literally couldn't get a rental car in some major city. I don't remember what it was. And he literally rented a U haul. And use that as a rental car and just like drove around town because he couldn't find another one. Anybody need a ride? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got some rapid fire questions for you. You ready? No. First things that comes to mind. <laughs> okay. Best business advice you've ever gotten? Oh, I don't know. I mean, there's like a real lack of. <laughs> You're like, I have none. I have a real. No one's ever given me advice. <laughs> I mean, on... I mean, I you know, <laughs> no people don't give me a lot of advice. Do you have any for me? Um, I don't know. I've just. Okay, I have one. I have one. And I don't think that anybody ever said... Like, my point was, is that, like, I feel like there's a real lack of female entrepreneurs, specifically in this space. I've I've always really struggled to try to find people. Like, if you're out there, please call me. Let's be friends. I'll buy you coffee. I've had a really hard time finding and connecting with, with people in this industry outside of you. Like, that's why we're BFFs. Um, mm. but like, really, I, I, I don't know. I would love, I would love advice. Like, please spam me with advice. But I don't know. I think back to like my first few months in starting my own company, I was newly pregnant and was trying to figure out what I was going to do. I had been laid off. I, I wasn't overwhelmed at the idea of entrepreneurship. What happened was somebody, a, a colleague of mine had called me for advice about an orthopedic practice that she was working with. And she said, Hey, like I'm trying to launch this new practice to get it off the ground. Do you have any, you know, do you have any suggestions for me? And I talked to her for an hour and I was like, here's what you need to do. Here's how, you know, here's your marketing plan. Here's who you need to talk to. And I laid out an entire strategic marketing plan for her in an hour and I got off that phone call and I was like, that's, that's what I should be doing. Like, oh my gosh, like I should be consulting and, and offering this knowledge that I've been able to build and, and share it with people. And so that's kind of the inception of Milk and Honey. I don't know if I've ever told you that story. And it was a scary time because I was pregnant. This is like pre-Me Too. And it was like, who's going to hire a pregnant lady? Nobody. That's who. And, and so I kind of had to figure out what I was going to do with my life and... I don't know where this advice came in, if it was at this point in my career or later, but it really resonated with me. And that is everything is figure outable. Hmm. And I just kind of took that attitude with starting my own company. Like back then there was no, here's how you set up a business. There weren't like, that didn't exist back then. And this is only 2013, right? I'm not talking like decades ago. Okay. Maybe, maybe a, a decade ago about, but, um, I just, I took that attitude that I could figure it out and I, and I had to, right? Like I had this impending due date of a baby and, and I, we had just bought a house. I had a mortgage to pay and 
And so I was going to do it. I was going to figure it out. And so I contacted a bunch of people in the healthcare world that I had worked with. And I said, hey, I'm starting this thing. I'm going to do marketing consulting in healthcare. You want to be my client? And nobody said no. <laughs> I mean, I was really lucky in that regard and that I had those relationships with people that knew me and trusted me. They knew I had good work ethic. And so I just figured it out. I figured out how to start a company. And this is before, you know, websites were part of my thing. So I had to figure out how to build my own website from scratch back then. And so, yeah, I would give that advice to anybody that's that's feeling stuck or uncertain about what the next thing is or, or really overwhelmed. I think a lot of us, I mean, you and me included, we've talked about this even like in this next phase of our businesses. Like, where are we going from here? I feel like that's a good mantra to have. I'm starting to question if you know what rapid fire questions mean. Oh, sorry. <laughs> this is this is my rapid fire monologue. No, you brought up. <laughs> it takes me a while to get there. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jeez. God. Um, What's but no, next, Corey? No, I'm, no. In all sincerity, though, I'm glad you shared that story because, like, there is a there's a few things that I think was really good out of that. Is one is like I think resourcefulness right or figure out a bull as you described it right i think is so fundamental to somebody that decides or chooses to do their own thing mm -hmm. is like we're constant we're always just figuring it out one way or another and i think the other thing too is like to your point exactly about like the consulting conversation you had is just to go off of that like advice thing is i was once told get paid for what you know not for what you do yeah yeah, I'm working on that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think we all are. Such great advice. Right. Yeah. I think we all are. Yeah. Right. Is like we're 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 often like I just literally just had a conversation with somebody about this about they're like, well, like look at like Elon Musk. Like he's not like doing the things. He's just like the knowledge guy and like setting the vision and blah blah blah. And I was like, well, yeah, but he was also at one point the guy literally writing the code for PayPal mm -hmm. before PayPal was a thing. Yeah. Right. So we you all start somewhere. Exactly. But yeah, that's the journey of like. Becoming a real entrepreneur, in my mind, is like yeah, getting out of the, the grind of doing it all yourself. Totally. But there's a process. There's a process. Unless so you're, you're, I'm sure there's some people that are they're way smarter than Call me. Call me. Yeah. You know. That have figured that out yeah, yeah. without having to it. do the thing. But yes. um, second question. Okay. Favorite part about entrepreneurship? I'd say just the autonomy. Is that what you want? Perfect. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Let me expand. No, expand. I'm just joking. Um, no, when I when I left my job, so I started my own company, was recruited back into healthcare, left that again eventually after my second child was born or when I was pregnant with my second child. And I remember going into a yoga class. I had left that job, started Milk and Honey back up again. Milk and Honey Marketing, by the way, not the salon. I just don't get them confused. They weren't really a thing back when I started my company. So oh. good job, guys. You're, um, you're the original. Right. No, I think they're... Anyway, but I was in a yoga class and I had so much anxiety about doing yoga like over my lunch break because that was frowned upon mm. back in the office, you know, the job that I had worked in. And it took me two years to get out of that mindset of being feeling guilty for doing anything other than work. And, and I still struggle with that to this day, I think, of like, that's like ingrained in my brain. If I'm not working, if I'm not achieving, if I'm not creating, if I'm not doing something, I have anxiety. It's so hard for me to like sit on the floor with my kids and just like be present and like know that that's doing good too. But yeah, autonomy. Nailed it. You, uh, 
so often I see people that become business owners or entrepreneurs are just like anxiety ridden people that have figured out how to use that in a productive manner. Harnessing the anxiety. Yeah. I know my dad pointed that out to me once because I've struggled with anxiety, I think since high school. And I was complaining to him about it one day and he was like, maybe that's your superpower. Maybe that's what drives you to do all of the things that you've done and be successful. And so I have to hold it with like, like a grain of gratitude too, even though I, I loathe the feeling, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) When are you most productive? In the mornings, but that's, it's summer with kids out of school and like a nanny situation. It is, it's been, it's been a rough summer, but yes, mornings typically I love to be up early, but I also love to stay up late. So it's a challenge. (laughs) I don't even know what to say to that. Best marketing advice. I guess just like clarity, like get really clear on what it is that you're trying to accomplish. If you're just wanting to help people and that's it. And like, you're completely content with your life as it is and your lifestyle, man, like that's amazing. Like, I I think that that's, that's beautiful, but be clear if that's not what you want, because if you're running your practice in a way that (laughs) that's what you're getting, then you're kind of at a crossroads. Totally. I like that one. Who is your inspiration? I'd I'd have to say my mom. My mom had this incredible job, kind of like back when women didn't really have incredible jobs. You know, they just started back in the 80s. You know, women had just started to climb that ladder. And she was selling stocks and bonds and flying all over the country and doing really incredible things. And I'm really terrible at rapid fire. I am so sorry, but everything has a story. She came to pick us up from daycare one day and I was in a bucket of bleach. Like the lady was just like doing something else and I like wandered off and things hadn't really been going well up to that point. And then my mom and dad picked us up together and then like drove home and my sister threw up from the smell of the bleach in the car. And that was the tipping point for her. And she was like, I don't care what we have to do. You know, my dad was a state employee. And so it was a huge lifestyle adjustment for them. You know, they sold the boat, they sold the Corvette, they sold all of the things to make that work. And, and she committed her life to, to really serving us and homeschooled us for a while. And she's a great educator. So she like, she put her whole life on hold to invest in her kids. And I think that that's really remarkable. Wow. I got chills. That's uh that's cool. Oh. I didn't know that about you. Tell me one secret about you. I don't have any secrets. I was just talking to Darren about this. <laughs> like my whole life is an open book. I don't know. What have other people said? Give me some like. Last one was uh, the, he really enjoyed going on <laughs> to South America to go on ayahuasca retreats. That was, oh. his, that was his thing. Oh, I'm not going there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe like, maybe just like uncommon knowledge about you. Maybe something people don't know about you. Okay. Well, we already talked about this earlier, but yes, I was a, I'm a little bit of a washed up musician mm. from back in the day and stopped pursuing that because I got pregnant and then started pursuing motherhood instead. But yeah, I think that's like, I feel like that. And then the brain surgery, those are like my two like mic drops at a party that people are like, what? Kind of like you did earlier. You're like, huh? Yeah. Say what? Mind exploding. Yes. What would you change about yourself? You know, I took a trip to Costa Rica in November um, with this great group. I think I've told you about them, the Medicine Connective. Mm -hmm. And a big part of that was uncovering things that we want to work on, on ourselves. And for me, it was softening into 
femininity femininity a little bit. I, you know, I feel like I've approached my whole life from a pretty masculine perspective and not that there's anything wrong with that, but I just, I felt like it was something that I want to explore more is being like not having to be in charge all the time, not having to be right all the time and just softening a little bit. What does success mean to you? Success for me is, is freedom of my time and my resources. You know, like when I picture in my mind of what my goals are, you know, it's not to own some fancy car, although that, that will happen. Um, just putting that out there. And a sweet boat. And a sweet boat. No, it's like me, it's me like being present with my kids and like my hands are in the dirt in a garden. Like, and that maybe that was a curveball. <laughs> I don't know if you see me that way, but, but yeah, like being like, being, you know, in the earth, like gardening, growing things, harvesting things. Like I have this dream, you know, we bought this property out in Wimberley. And so the whole purpose behind all of that was to really connect more with, this is going to sound so hippie, but like connecting with the earth and like getting out of, you know, this intense energy of Austin and quieting down a little bit and being more calm and centered. And so gardening is a big part of that. So that's my idea of success is like, playing with my kids in a big garden one day, maybe in the spring, we're getting really close. So I like that. I look forward to joining you on that one. Yeah. When were you the happiest? Costa Rica was pretty darn cool. I sat there on the beach, writing in my journal, watching Darren surf with stingrays all around him coming up on the waves. It was pretty magical. Do you feel like you were able to just like really disconnect when you were out there? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't do that easily, so right. it's pretty awesome. That's exactly why we do these guys' trips. We do them once or twice a year for that exact reason. I mean, the whole mission behind them is like creating time and space to disconnect, really. Last question. Favorite part about Austin? <laughs> Austin feels like an ex-boyfriend to me right now. <laughs> like I come in and I'm like, hey, you look good, but... Um, I mean, I'm like seeing other people now. and um, I mean, you're still dirty and... You know, little loud. you've still changed. Okay. Yeah. I don't want to forget that you've changed. You're not the Austin that I was growing up here. My favorite part about Austin would probably be either the library, that beautiful library. I miss it so much. Or the, the Ladybird Lake, like boardwalk. I used to love to go down there and walk at the boardwalk kind of on the east side. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the food. Oh my God, I miss you food. I miss my ethnic food. <laughs> but yeah. I walk that trail almost every day. So yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Just not, that yeah, in. not going to rub that in. <laughs> so I have one final wrap up question. But before I ask that question, where can people find out about you, what you do, your information? Give them all the details. Yeah. I'm not really on social media a lot, but I do have social media under Milk and Honey Marketing. And my website is milkandhoneymarketing.com. Boom. They can Google my name if you can learn how to spell it. <laughs> <laughs> or say it. Dana Rakovich. <laughs> Before I ask my last question, I just want to acknowledge you for just a heart of service to really the healthcare industry, people in general, in terms of just like really trying to help people out in terms of getting their message out, branding themselves, um, positioning themselves in a place where they can serve people at a higher level. And obviously I've seen some of your work and I know some of the stuff you're doing and I think it's all awesome and great. And uh, I hope that 
you find that opportunity to dig in the dirt and maybe pull your music instrument out again and (laughs) explore that avenue. Thank you. Of course. So final question. So if we're talking to other people in the health or fitness industry, entrepreneurs, people who are really just trying to grow and scale their business and to get their name out there and to brand themselves, if you were that person and you were in ground zero and you're trying to figure out like, what do I do and what do I focus on and where do I put my energy? What's maybe the best piece of advice you could give to that person just to get them moving in the right direction of like what they should be thinking about, what they should be focusing on and like what direction they should be going? Um, not TikTok. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. That might be your thing and good for you. I think really connecting with the person of who it is that you want to serve And it's hard, you know, when you're first starting out to identify that because you're so green and you haven't seen a lot of people. But I think when the the first patient comes along in your practice that you you get that feeling like you really were able to help them and it's gratifying to you. It's done something amazing for them. The more unique the situation, the better. I think it's just getting really clear on who you really can serve the best you know, what you were put here to do and, and then taking that and calling me to build your website. There you go. <laughs> Just kidding. In the, in the words of Matthew McConaughey, By the way, we're, have you read his book twice? <laughs> okay. And, uh, so good. we're really bad at knowing what we want, but we're really good at knowing what we don't want. And so, so much of business and life and relationships is just a journey of trying stuff and figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah, I know. There's no like, there's no secret to to that. Like, you have to walk that journey. I think in order to to figure it out. So, before you go, I just wanted to say thank you for listening to the show, and I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you're looking for simple, actionable tips on how to market your health and fitness business, or need help with your website, just go to coreyha.com. Thanks again, and keep hustling, my friends.